Well, we're continuing our bodybuilding series. This is our third week. Uh, the name of our sermon today is See the Results You Have Been Working For. And before we jump into that, I just want to kind of remind you about our motto is that over the, the four sermons that we're doing on this, these are the three things that I hope that we can glean from what God has given us in Scripture. We spent the first two sermons talking about finding our strength in the midst of our weakness. And then also, when we get that strength, what do we do with it? And then so we're kind of halfway around the bases. We're kind of like at second base right now as we are unpacking, discovering your tools as we build the body. Now, we're not talking about our physical bodies. We do need to build our physical bodies, but we're talking about the body of Christ. Again, as I mentioned earlier, it's not about these walls. It's not about the stained glass windows. It is about the people and those who are in here today and those that even cannot be here but are still part of not only Homeland Park Baptist Church, but the Church of Jesus Christ. And there are many different denominations in many different churches that are worshiping today in different ways, but still worshiping Jesus nonetheless. So one thing about bodybuilding and working out is that the most exciting part of working out is what? Not, not the working out part, but when you start to see results, when others notice your change and say, oh, you're losing weight. Oh, no, not really. But really in your mind, you're like, yes. Or maybe uh, you notice that uh, your clothes are are not shrinking anymore in the in the washer. That uh, you can start fitting into some clothes you hadn't worn in a while. Or or maybe you see the scale reflect some of your hard work. Or you are able to do things maybe physically that you haven't been able to do in a while. This is all part of working out. This is all part about building our physical bodies. But once you get the results you're looking for, what do you do with them? When your clothes start fitting better, when you, you look in the mirror and you're not repulsed and, and other people are noticing and, and you have this strength, you have this vitality, you have this ability, whether it be someone who is young that is working out or is an older person that has been in the hospital and they've gone through therapy and are now able to go home and do those things they used to do. It's all bodybuilding. It's all strength, right? So when you get these tools, what do you do with them? Well, some people will use these tools to give themselves a better quality of life. There's some people that will use their new changes to serve God in better capacities. Maybe they'll do things in the church they hadn't done before. Maybe they will feel better about doing things. You never know. Maybe some people will use their new changes to please themselves. Unfortunately, I can't tell you the number of times I've seen in churches and in the world where spouses, they go to the gym to work out only so they can find somebody else. They try to get themselves back into dating shape is what I call it. You get all these great, these great abilities and you're looking great again and you're not happy with what you have. So sometimes we use our tools for God things. And sometimes we use our strengths for selfish things. And some are so pleased with their changes, but they stop working on them. And as you know, if you do not use it, you will lose it. That's right. As exciting as important as seeing results that build our physical bodies, the purpose of this series is not to talk about our physical bodies. The purpose of this series is to shed light on the strength that we find when we build God's church. This is not James Strickland's church. This is not... 
your church, and regardless of what some people think, this is not your pew, okay? Uh, this is God's place. This is, we are here by the total graces of God. And any day we can keep our doors open, and any day we can still be a part of this community, I count it as a blessed by God day. And we are part of that. So as we come to this passage, we see something about spiritual gifts. And so when I'm talking about finding your strength as a believer, when I'm talking about getting your life back online with God, you are going to start to discover some things that God has gifted you with, right? And by saying God has gifted you with, there are some things that you can do better than maybe some other people do. And that's what's beautiful about the gifts that God gives us. So as we get ourselves spiritually into shape, your spiritual gifts must be two things. Your spiritual gifts must be discovered and they must be demonstrated to grow in your faith and build the body of Christ. Your spiritual gifts must be discovered and demonstrated to grow in your faith and to build the body of Christ. And I think I have it on the screen for you up there as well so you can see that statement. And the thing here is that there's a difference between a gift and a talent. Some people are talented. There are some people, they just are naturally better at music. Some people are naturally better at engineering. There are some people that can build anything out of wood. And there are other people that are as dumb as a piece of wood. You know? <clears throat> so, and, and I would probably be in that category. But the thing is, is that what you see, like when you see on your TVs and on your social feeds and in your newspapers where people are becoming famous... A lot of those are gifts that God has given them, but they're using them for the wrong thing. But a true gift is something God gives us. Why does God give us a gift? I think of yesterday. Donna has been on me forever to get our mailbox fixed. When you open the mailbox, it's like hanging on two or three screws. And we just kept having a a bet on which mail carrier would would knock it off its, its post. But luckily... Uh, I had a screwdriver and we went and we bought the pieces that we had to get, go by. And so we fixed it yesterday. So that's one less thing I have to hear about. Praise the Lord. And she's probably saying that's one last thing I have to tell you about. But either way, we, we worked on it together. Team Strickland, we fixed that, that mailbox. But I couldn't have done it unless I went back to my toolbox and I had a Phillips head screwdriver. And luckily, it worked. And some of you guys have have extensive tool collections. And, and I'm impressed and in awe by all that. But the thing is, I had a tool that I needed. And I used it to get the job done. Folks, when you grow in your spiritual life, you may not even know it at the time. But God is giving you the tools to fix problems that are in His church. And so the problem is, is that when you do not grow in your faith and you have no desire to grow in your faith and all you want to do is sit on a pew and sit and soak and sour, there will be problems that you can fix but you will never know it because you have never grown to the point to know you have a tool chest. It's one thing to have strength to survive every day. It's another thing to have strength to do something with it. So as we look at what Paul is saying, Paul was burdened. For the church at Corinth. They had taken their spiritual gifts. And they were using it. 
to better themselves. You know, some would say, well, I have the gift of preaching, so I am better than you. Or I I have the gift of prophecy. I have the gift of tongues. I have all these different things that that make me better than you, is what the church in Corinth was saying. And Paul was saying, no, whoa, time out on that. You're not getting these things to build yourself up. You're getting these things to build the church up. So he is preaching unity. And that's what he's trying to show us today. We see in verses 1 through 3, we are united in Jesus Christ. That is the one constant that is the common denominator. We are not here to get our agenda. We are not here to stroke our ego. We are not here to get warm fuzzies. We are here to worship Jesus Christ. And it doesn't matter whether we are here or at the Freedom Center or at New Spring or at Calvary or 1st, 2nd, 3rd, 4th, 5th Baptist. It doesn't matter. We are unified. In the life and the blood and the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. And we need to remember that. And Paul reminds the church at Corinth about that. As we look at the first couple of verses, he says, Now, dear brothers and sisters, regarding your question about the special abilities the Spirit gives us, I don't want you to misunderstand this. You know that when you were still pagans, you were led astray and swept along in worshiping speechless idols. So I want you to know that no one speaking by the Spirit of God will curse Jesus, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. So what we see in these first three verses is that, number one, we need to remember, first of all, first and foremost, that every one of us in here at some point in our time was far away from Christ. Some of you in here, you had a miraculous transformation story of where you were living for the devil and the God came and got you and you're living for the Lord. And I praise God for that. And there is a lot of power in that. But there is also a lot of power in that person who said, well, preacher, I've been a Christian as long as I know. There's power in that because there's just as much power about what God kept you from as what God has delivered you from. And so what we see here is that he is saying, remember what it was like. When you were a pagan, just like everybody else. If you have ever looked at someone else and said, "Mm," and you thought that you were better than them, better than that person that is on the corner, begging, better than that person that you know in the community is a local meth head, better than that person that you saw on top, the top most wanted in Anderson, and you look at that person and you go, hmm. Bless them. That's wrong. We are no better than them. We are no better than the most. We are no better than the Pope. But we are no better than the worst of the worst of persons. We are who we are. It's not about the color of our skin. It's not about the size of our bank account. It's not about the threads that are on our back. It is not about the way we comb our hair. It is about the only thing. It is about Jesus Christ. And then we see, he talks about us being pagans. Folks, at one time, we were all pagans. Did you know that there were pagans today? There is actually a first church, a first atheist church. How are you an atheist when you worship nothing? I mean, what hymns do you sing? What well, what's your central rallying point? And I thought about that. I said, again, God has wired you in your heart. And God has wired me for worship. 
There is a hole in our heart that can only be filled by God. That's why when we come here, we lift up hymns, we lift up praises, but that's also why there are people that are lifting up this junk you see on TV and YouTube and charts and on the news. Because everybody wants to worship something. But here in in the first atheist church, their own website says that everything in life can be explained through science and reason. Their actual doctrine states, nothing exists beside natural phenomenon. Thought is merely a function of those natural phenomenon. Death is complete and irreversible. And we have faith solely in humankind, nature, and in the facts of science. So they say they don't worship anything, but they are worshiping something. They're worshiping science and they're worshiping themselves. How empty and horrible and hopeless is it to worship an idol that has no power, no forgiveness, and no hope. But yet people do it every single day. Folks, at one time we were all pagans. But without Jesus, there is no forgiveness of sins. There is no salvation. There is no hope. There is no heaven. There is no gifts. There is no church without Jesus Christ. You gave your life to Jesus, folks. If you consider yourself a Christian, you gave your life to Jesus. And so, what does that mean? That means just that, like we talked about last week, that we are a living sacrifice. To refuse to live the life that God has called you to as a believer means that you're living the life of an atheist. You're you're a professing Christian, but living the life as an atheist. When you have the power... And you don't worship it. And you don't make it number one. I don't know about you, but if I am sick and the doctor gives me some medicine or a treatment to make me feel better, by golly, I am going to do it. I'm going to follow the directions. So why is it such a battle for us to do that in our faith? He also tells us to stay away from those who stay away from Jesus Christ. Look, there are a lot of speakers. I won't call them preachers. But there are a lot of speakers that can go into your ears. There are a lot of men and women that are speaking things that quite honestly are not scripture. There are cults. There are other places that, that in other religions and denominations that do not recognize the sovereignty of Jesus Christ. And if you ever hear me or anybody attributed to Home and Park Baptist Church ever teach apart from Jesus Christ, then you run. Because that is why we are here. We are not here to build our church name. We are not here to build our reputation. We are not here to build buildings. Those things are not bad in of themselves. But I'm telling you what, the main thing that we are here to build is Jesus Christ. And it is my prayer that for you in your life, that that would be your same mission. Because building the body of Christ requires us to remember it is for Christ's glory and our benefit. Let me show you that. Is that building the body of Christ requires us to remember it is for Christ's glory and our benefit, not our benefit. Look, if we're in to church for what we can get out of it, we are in it for the wrong reasons. If I am in a church just because I have been preaching for a long time and I hope to get a paycheck for that, that is the wrong reason. If you are here today and you just want to get your warm fuzzy and go home, that is the wrong reason. 
We are here to build the body of Christ. And the gifts that he has given you is not for you to use on yourself, but to use for the benefit of other people. That's what Paul is saying here. And then we see in verses 4 through 6 that we are empowered by the same God. Empowered by the same God. It says in verses 4 through 6, he says, There are different kinds of spiritual gifts, but the same Spirit is the source of them all. There are different kinds of service, but we serve the same Lord. God works in different ways, but it is the same God who does the work in all of us. It is the same God that does the work in all of us. As we see this, we see that many gifts of many people coming together in Jesus Christ's name and empowered by God to build his church. That is what bodybuilding consists of. Let me show you a picture real quick. This is a, and I think I'm saying it right, a, a, a C-H-I-R-O-N, Chiron Bugatti. Can you say Bugatti? Say it. That's not Greek for something. That's just actually the name of the car. So you have learned a new car today. The one on the left, I don't know how many of hundreds of thousand dollars it is worth, but it is an actual Bugatti. And the one on the right is a Bugatti, but it is made out of Legos. Legos. You know the children's toys? It's made out of Legos. They look the same, but they are made differently. And here's the point I'm trying to make with this picture, is that the Lego version of this real Bugatti is comprised of over one million Lego technique pieces, including 2,304 power function motors, 4,032 gear wheels, and 2,016 axles. Other than the tires and the small steel frame, it's all Legos. And that the motor, which is also made of Legos, generates only 5.3 horsepower, so the car can reach maximum speeds of 12 miles an hour. And it weighs over 3,000 pounds. I don't know about you, but the kid in me that used to play with Legos, I'm like, man, that is cool. I'd hate to see how much that kit cost. If you ever had to buy Legos for kids, you know that you almost have to rob a bank to get them. They're expensive, but you can do whatever you want with them. So we have people that have made a car. That is a functioning car that they can get in and they can drive. Millions of pieces, millions of hours put together to make that car go. Now, folks, the body of Christ is so much more Bigger than even that awesome car up there. Thousands of pieces put together towards one common goal. If there is ever an illustration that illustrates what Paul is saying is that. Is that in this church today, we have got 20% of the people doing 80% of the work. And I praise God for them. But I also beg and plead God every day to show me and to show our leadership Ways to which we can help those that are not involved become involved. Because quite honestly, you have got a gift 
that we need. Now, look, I am praising the Lord that we filled out our, our leadership thing for next week, for next year. We're going to vote on that at the end. And, and I praise the Lord for that. And, and we've got some new names. We've got some old names. But, folks, I don't want to limit what our church does to a nominating report. If there is something that God has gifted you with that we don't have a slot for, we'll make a slot. It's not about us fitting the mold that we have, but being the mold that God... I told people when I first got here, and I still believe it, I don't want Homeland Park Baptist Church to be like the church down the street. I don't want Homeland Park Baptist Church to be like it was in the 50s and 60s, in the 70s. Because I know you had the bus ministry, you had more people than you could count. I understand that. I want Homeland Park Baptist Church to be what God wants it to be today. And that only comes when people are serving the Lord and using their gifts for His glory. So we also see that on the third point is that God gave you gifts to build His body. No one can tell me that as they're sitting in their pew, well, you know what, preacher? I just can't do much. I'm too old to do any of this fancy stuff. And uh, I've never really tried that stuff. I mean, I, I do my Bible preaching. I mean, I do my Bible reading and And God speaks to me. You can't tell me no matter what your age is or what your health condition is, there is something everybody can do. It may be the smallest, most minute thing. But if God has gifted you to do something, my friend, I encourage you to do it. We see in verses 7 through 11, he says, A spiritual gift is given to each of us. Now, Now, let me read that one more time. Each of us. So that means everybody. So we can help each other. So God has given you a spiritual gift, not for your enjoyment, but for you to help someone else. And when you help someone else, you're helping yourself. And you're glorifying God. He says, to one person, the Spirit gives the ability to give wise advice. Some translations say it gives them the gift of wisdom. And to some, the Spirit gives the Spirit of special knowledge. The same Spirit gives great faith to another. And to someone else, the Spirit gives the gift of healing. He even gives one person the power to perform miracles and another the ability to prophesy. He gives some else the ability to discern whether a message is from the Spirit of God or from another spirit. Still other persons are given the ability to speak in unknown languages, while others are given the ability to interpret what is being said. It is the one and only Spirit who distributes all these gifts. He alone decides which gift each person should have. So we see, spiritual gifts are the results that you have been working for. If you are trying to build your body, if you're trying to build this body, look, I have got... You would not believe how many people I have got that will tell me what we ought to do is. I know what we means. You. I don't know about you, but when I go back and I look at the church when it was first started, the preachers were encouraging the other people that were doing the job, not the other job. I mean, not the people hiring the preacher to do everything. It's about you. And it's about, look, I'm not complaining. I love this church. 
And, and y'all are as dear to me as all get out. And like I said, I got people doing all kinds of things. I've got new people doing new things. I understand that. But look, all I'm saying here is that the spiritual gifts are the results that you've been working for. If you are growing in your faith, you are growing to use those gifts to help somebody else. For some people, your gift, your gifts to be nurturing and your gifts to, to even bake casseroles. I, I know I joke about that a lot, but hospitality is a gift. Mercy is a gift. Teaching is a gift. There are gifts that are all over the charts. And God has given that to us. Not to tell everybody else what they ought to do with it, but to jump in and do it. The gifts vary from person to person. And we see here that he gave wisdom, knowledge, faith, healing, prophecy, and understanding. And the Holy Spirit is the one that decides to get it. If you have got a gift, it's not because you signed up for it. It's because it was given to you because God knew that that was the gift. That was your piece of the puzzle of that car I showed you a minute ago. That was your piece to contribute to His church. And these gifts are given to build the church, not our own enjoyment or selfish ambition. You see, the Corinthians were using their gifts to promote themselves. Humbly using the gifts God has given us to promote harmony is what we need to do, not tension. Folks, I'm going to go ahead and tell you that a fighting church is a dying church. A church that fights is a church that dies. Because they've got the wrong emphasis. I don't know about you, but we were uh, had uh, the, the battle with Bubba Benefit. This past weekend, and, and one of the organizations that, that I was a part of, I wasn't playing, but I was there cheering them on. We had two losses and one win, I believe. And the one win was a forfeit. Why? They didn't have enough to play. And hey, praise the Lord, that's a win, right? But folks, I do not want us as a church to forfeit because we don't have enough people to build the body. Because mark my words. The moment we decide that it's about us. Instead of God's work. He will write Ichabod on the door. Which means his spirit is not here. And the doors will shut. And there will be a social hall in here. Before you can say Jack's Pratt. We are here to build the body. How will your excuse hold up? At the great white throne judgment. If you're saying, I would do it, but I can't. Folks, we're all going to be having to give an account for what we did on this earth and what we didn't on this earth. Paul's list of gifts here is not exhaustive. He, In other parts of scripture, in Ephesians and Romans, he lists this again. And there's over 19 gifts that he he talks about. And folks, if God is, basically, if God has gifted you to do something, do it for the Lord. And then, um, see the results you have been working for. As I'm just wrapping this up, see the results that you have been looking for on the slide up there. Katie, help me out, sweetie. See the results you have been working for. We are united in Christ, empowered by God, and gifted by the Holy Spirit. What puts us together? What's the glue? Jesus Christ. What gives us the power? The Holy Spirit. 
And we are gifted by the Holy Spirit. If you say, well, preacher, I don't have any gifts, then you have just told me the Holy Spirit is a liar. (laughs) And I don't want to be with you on that ground. These gifts are discovered as you grow in your faith, as you read Scripture, and you participate in the work of the church. (laughs) I'll close with this. I am not the pinnacle of health, but I I do enough working out to stay sore. And uh, there are two types of people at the gym that totally put a bee in my bonnet. And I call them, first of all, there's the talkers. Sure enough, you'll be, you get your workout, and you've got certain machines. If you've ever gone to a gym, you know what I'm talking about. You've got certain machines that you feel comfortable with. And then nine times out of ten, when I'm in a hurry, there's going to be a group of five or six guys talking, leaning up on it. Hey, hey, what are you going to do? All right, all right. And before you know it, 20 minutes have passed, and there hadn't been a weight that's moved on it since then. And I'm like, all you're doing is talking. And then I have what I call the phonies. Not phonies as in fake, but the people that sit on that bench and they stay and they're staring their phone 20 minutes later. And some of them, they try to sneak a selfie. They want to, don't want to look so vain that they're taking one in the gym, but they'll be like, oh, like, oh come on. And again, five or ten minutes past, no weight has been pushed. If both of these situations, in both of them, they are not getting the benefit of the machines at their disposal and they are keeping others, like me, from being able to use them. Folks, your refusal to get out of your pew and to use your gifts will keep you and others from developing theirs. There is somebody that is waiting to see one of you Use your gifts so that they can discover theirs. You have found your strength. You're learning about the tools that God has given you. It's going to be time for us to build His place. Let's pray. God, I thank you so much for this message that you've given us through the Apostle Paul, Lord. That he has taught us that gaining strength in this world is not just to make us feel better, but it's to do your work. And Lord, I am very blessed to be in a church where we have many people that are serving and doing and loving. And Lord, it's just my prayer that we encourage them, but also if there's someone that's just kind of on the fence or they just don't know what the next step is, that dear Heavenly Father, you would move in their heart a curiosity and a will to find out what their gifts are. So dear Heavenly Father, my prayer today is that if there is someone here that needs the hope of Jesus Christ, because that's what unifies us, Lord. If they need to know you as their Savior and Lord, that they would come forward. And Lord, I'll pray with them and they can know today beyond a shadow of a doubt that they are yours and that they are gifted and that they are on track to be used by you. Maybe they would just like to come to the altar and pray or pray where they're at. Or join this church to be baptized, whatever it may be, Lord. May this decision time be for you. For it's in your name we pray. Amen. Would you please stand?